This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, we'll be joined by Pamela McDonald, Director of Communications and Engagement at the BC Securities Commission, who's joining us today, well, to help us all become better informed investors. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. The recent decision to hold interest rates steady by the U.S. Federal Reserve has leaked across the border. The head of the Bank of Canada says... His trend-setting interest rate is low enough at its below-inflation level of 1.75%, that it's delivering a stimulative effects to the economy. But even in the stronger economy, the Bank of Canada Governor Stephen Polo said on Thursday, the interest rate's upward journey to its likely destination, and that's going to be somewhere between 25 and 3.5%, that journey still highly uncertain, according to the governor. The improved economy has encouraged the bank to raise its key interest rate five times since mid-2017 to keep inflation from creeping up too high. But the central bank hasn't introduced an increase since last October. Now, the bank's next interest rate announcement will be March 6th. But many market watchers expect the Bank of Canada to leave our benchmark interest rate untouched until later this year. Hudson's Bay Company announced the closure of 37 of its Home Outfitters stores across Canada this week and is said to be considering doing the same to 20 of its 130 Saks off Fifth Avenue stores as well. HBC says this is about reducing costs, simplifying the business, and improving profitability. Home Outfitters employs just under 700 people, and the store closures are expected to happen this year. Last quarter, the Hudson's Bay Company net loss... $164 million. And the company's CEO said the demise of home outfitters is in part the product of a retail industry facing the challenge of maintaining margins and foot traffic in an age where customers and consumers are comfortable searching, comparing, and transacting online. Not the first time we've heard that and clearly not the last as some big retailers are really struggling with online competition and how to deal with it. According to the Vancouver Sun this week, BC drivers are about to be whacked with billions of dollars in premium increases over the next three years. This revelation from the NDP government and their budget speech this week. Apparently, ICBC is set to earn a profit in that third year after hiking up our premiums by as much as 25%, according to the Insurance Bureau of Canada. Now, that's an organization that remains strongly in favor of increased competition in the car insurance game here in B.C. The Insurance Bureau wants more competition permitted in our car market and says drivers are being asked to pay more and more and more to try to get ICBC back to solvency. So why not look elsewhere and look at what other can Canadian auto insurancers are are charging and ask them to come to BC and play too. We pay more in BC than anywhere else in Canada. And a big reason for that is who delivers the products here. This is certainly not the first time we've heard this pitch from the Insurance Bureau and other providers. Maybe this time, with our premiums skyrocketing, 
skyrocketing, will be more inclined to have that conversation. Though, I doubt there's any appetite in Victoria for this sort of chatter. A new poll from research company finds that for many parents living in Metro Vancouver, living near their adult children just isn't going to happen. 40% of parents think it's likely that their children will move away from their current municipality because of the high cost of living in Canada's most expensive city. When it comes to raising families, three in five parents say it is difficult to make ends meet in Metro Vancouver. In the city of Vancouver itself, that number jumps to almost 80%. By contrast, it was just over half, 52% in Surrey, but it seems Metro Vancouver parents can relate to the struggle as 50% have said it's difficult to save money these days. A third of those who responded to the poll say they've experienced housing-related and financial-related stress in the past year. Child care and transportation among the biggest things parents worry about when it comes to affordability in this region. Oh, and finally, trendy Japanese designer and lifestyle guru Marie Kondo and her Netflix show and books are having an impact right here in Vancouver. According to Vancouver consignment stores like Turnabout Luxury Wholesale and Mine and Yours, as huge increase in clothing from our closets to the showroom floor has been increasing lately. Tidying up with Marie Kondo is the new TV show, which, along with books like The Life-Changing Magic of Tidy up are really all about decluttering your life, basically using the axiom, if something doesn't bring you joy, you don't need it in your life. Thus, the second book, Spark Joy. Local stores and some thrift shops, too, are reporting large amounts of clothing coming in as Marie's fans declutter their lives and in the process create a whole new set of fashion possibilities for people who like to buy high-end products on the less expensive side. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at some more as the show goes along, but coming right up, we'll open up our phone lines for your questions on investing. No, we're not passing along stock tips, but we are going to speak with Pamela McDonald from the BC Securities Commission about being a smart investor. And we'll tell you all about a new website called investright.org. Stay with us. You're listening to Vancouver Consumer on 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the program this Saturday afternoon. Sterling Fox with you at 2.15 in a mix of sun and cloud and a great guest in studio. A pleasure to welcome back Pamela McDonald from the BC Securities Commission, where she is the Director of Communications and Engagement. Hi, Pam. Nice to see you again. Great to be here, Sterling. It's wonderful to have you back with us. Let's start right at square one, Pamela McDonald. Exactly who is the BC Securities Commission and what do you do? The BC Securities Commission is a government agency that is is responsible for regulating the investment markets in British Columbia. Everything that we do is about making the markets a safe place for people to invest in. A key part of our mandate is investor protection, and we take that immensely seriously. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that we protect investors is by educating them and making sure they are, are empowered and make investment decisions that give them the best investment outcomes. Okay, and I noticed uh, you got a big campaign going on. Some of your ads on SkyTrain, as a matter of fact, uh, a week or so ago. Great. Uh, again, the whole business of being a better informed investor. The more you know, the less likely you are to be, well, taken for a ride or just make a mistake. 
That's right. So we want people to be armed to make these great investment choices. We want them to understand that they should always work with a registered investment advisor Mm -hmm. and understand what that investment advisor is registered to sell them. Understand the risks associated with with investments. So know your own, um, the kind of risks that you're willing to take. If you're somebody that lies awake at night worrying about the ups and downs of the stock market, that mm-hmm. tells you a little bit about your risk tolerance. For sure. Have goals and have an investment plan and stick to them. And I suppose a big part of that is the right financial advisor. Again, someone who has credentials, whose uh, roots can literally be traced online through some professional association, and also, uh, I would assume, who cares enough to, to put together a plan for you based on your needs and your income and your actual requirements rather than putting you into some cookie cutter thing like the nice lady at the bank might do, sell you a piece of bank product that doesn't much relate to what you need or what your goals might be, but you are invested and she gets a commission. That's right. Shop around. Find the person that's right for you, no matter what the institution is. Somebody that that knows you, that understands your 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 risk tolerance, that understands and identifies with your goals, and that can put you in products that are suitable for you. And understand whatever those products are, whether it's a stock or a bond, a mutual fund, an exchange-traded fund, understand what the fees are Mm -hmm. associated with all of those investment vehicles. Yeah, we'll talk about fees at at, at some length in a bit. And we'll open up the phone lines because lots of questions going, lots of TV ads going on about fees right now. So we'll dive into that in a second. But the other part of what the BC Securities Commission does that I think a lot of our listeners need to understand, Pam, is you're the cops. So, in fact, when somebody uh, is is the uh, at the receiving end of a fraudulent phone call, or somebody's trying to rip you off, or there's a scam going on, and you're part of it as a, as a victim, you don't. You're the people that need to call. That you're the people that need to find out this because you're the ones that are going after the fraud artists. That's right. We are the people that go after the wrongdoers. And if you think that you have been a victim of investment fraud, or if you think you have heard about a potential fraudulent scheme, you need to pick up the phone and call us right away or send us an email. But the sooner we find out, the sooner we can take action and do something about it. So information from the public is critical to us. Absolutely. Do you get lots? Do you have a pretty steady flow of uh, uh, disconcerted investors or people going, I think somebody's trying to rip me off? We get a regular stream of calls about all sorts of things, and that is certainly at the top of the list. 604, by the way, 604-280-9898 if you want to jump in with Pam McDonald from BC Securities. On the front page of today's Vancouver Sun, speaking of being the cops and enforcement, there's a story about a a Vancouver area, Metro Vancouver company uh, called Boss Team E-Commerce that you guys busted. And uh, today the story is all laid out for us all to see in the paper. Tell us about it, Pam. This is is a major enforcement effort by BC Securities. Yes, our enforcement team uh, took on this case a number of years ago now. And and, uh, that's another thing to, to point out is that, you know, sometimes it can 
can be a number of years or maybe a couple of years before we find out about a case. True. So, so get to us early. Yeah. But enforcement took on this case and uh, we um, sanctioned them for um, a significant amount of money. But what we were able to do very early on in the boss team case... This is a Ponzi scheme of some kind, right? That's right. Uh, we were able to um, identify funds. We froze the funds... And then at the end of the case, we were able to, we appointed a receiver and we gave that money back to investors. So over 5 million US dollars went back to investors. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's rare, isn't it? It's it's very rare. Usually if you get ripped off, you're burned and that's the end of it. You know, put it down to experience and move on. To get some money back in with interest? Holy cow. They did. They got it back with interest. But most of the time, as, as you say, what happens in fraud cases is that by the time we find out about it, all the money is spent. Sure. That's more typically the case, isn't that it? That is. The Sadly, far- that is more typically the case. Okay. And there's another case that uh, this just this baffles most of us. And I just wanted to know, from a regulatory point of view, how you've processed. And this is the story of Quadriga. This is this Canadian man who had a cryptocurrency company of sorts, mm-hmm. who uh, had Crohn's disease, I believe, and who on a trip to India quite recently died at a very young age. He was in his 30s. But when he died, Pam, he took all the passwords to his entire cryptocurrency operation to the grave with him, leaving about $165 million in investment money literally hanging out there. How can a regulator deal with something like that? Mm -hmm. I think the key thing to understand about a company like Quadriga is that it's new, it's a new industry, and investors need to understand whether they are operating within a regulated environment or not. And if they are not operating within a regulated environment, we cannot offer them the same kinds of protections. Ah. So you need to make sure that what you're buying is something that is um, something that can be regulated by the BC Securities Commission, and then we can protect you. And typically, would a product, whatever it may be, have some indicator on it that this product is indeed not endorsed necessarily, but approved? by the BC Securities Commission as a viable investment. It, it, and unless kind of the seal, the, um, you know what I'm looking at, seal, seal of, of approval, approval kind yes, of thing. Yes, I, I know what you mean. That is why you need to ask lots and lots of questions of the person that is selling you the product. Okay. Are you registered? Are you registered to sell me this product? Is it something that is regulated by the BC Securities Commission so that I am afforded the protections that the commission can give me? Mm-hmm. So ask all of those questions and be very sure that it, that it is right for you, that it suits you. And if it's not within our mandate to regulate that particular um, investment, ask yourself if you're willing to take the risk to invest that money and potentially lose it. Right. That's, that's I suppose, anytime you, you, you have an investment opportunity, uh, you have to be prepared to lose, even though you try to mitigate that possibility as best you can. Mm -hmm. It's still part of the equation, isn't it? All the time, no matter what, there is a risk associated with every investment you make. Indeed. So now uh, the other factor that I wanted to bring into the conversation fairly early, just to see what you and your colleagues at BC Securities are doing or how you're responding to this barrage of TV campaigns going on right now by online investment companies, 
plural. There are more than one. In fact, there are probably three or four out there spending big advertising dollars to get our attention to to perhaps switch our investing practices from a, a human being to an algorithm and an online company. Mm-hmm. So how do you react to all of that? I think it goes back to the individual. You have to decide what is right for you after doing a lot of research, after sitting down with an individual, after perhaps you know going online or speaking to somebody at the online firm and mm. talking about what you're going to be provided by using an online resource as opposed to a person at a firm. It's very individual. And so you have to shop around and make the choices that are right for you. Well, it's clearly uh, they've got a target audience uh, for this, and this is they're clearly targeting younger investors. A lot of young investors, perhaps for the first time, with a little bit of, mm-hmm. of change going on in their lives that they can actually put into something. That's right. And, and these people, this particular generation, millennials, they do everything online. So why not c- carry forward and, and and connect that dot to mm-hmm. all of the other online mm-hmm. dots? So it makes sense to some. It does, but even millennials, you know, need to make sure that they. They have all the information to make the right investment decisions. Sure. So it's all very well to do it online. But do they have, you know, that other, um, are they armed with all the other information that they need to make good information, for, uh, to make good decisions for themselves? And in fact, we have some information and some research from last year that shows millennials, young people can be um, the demographic that could be most victimized by investment fraud. Ah, So we have some information that says that if they were presented with a fraudulent investment offer, they would consider it. Young women, more uh, likely to consider a fraudulent offer than young men, but still high in male millennials. Is that so? And is it because of the attractive packaging surrounding some of these, quote, offerings? The research didn't go into why. We could speculate whether it's that, whether it's, you know, it was was BC research, so it could be something to do with the cost of living. Living, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the lower mainland, of for course. example. So we don't know. We can only speculate. We just know that they are susceptible. Okay. And you've got all of these brand new survey numbers, and we'll dive into that after we take the news break. But just back to this story about uh, boss team e-commerce in today's Vancouver Sun. The last line of the story is, click here to learn how to protect yourself and become a more informed investment. So I did, and it took me immediately to investright.org. And that's you people. And that's us. And that is our investor education website that has just a whole realm of information that will help you learn more and help you to be the kind of empowered investor that we want you to be and have the investment outcomes that we want you to have. Okay, we'll get into uh, some of the content. It's an excellent website, especially for beginners, investright.org. In fact, uh, take a second and check it out because we need to break for the news here on Vancouver Consumer. More with our guest, Pamela McDonald from the BC Securities Commission and your calls after the news. Welcome back to the show. Oh, look, it's not snowing. Hey, we, we're due for a break. It's Sterling Fox along with Pamela McDonald from the BC Securities Commission with you on Vancouver Consumer this hour. John Carlson from 1% Realty will be with us next hour. Uh, Pamela, we were talking about your, your website. It's a terrific website, especially for well show, people who need to kind of brush up their investment skills. And I think that applies pretty universally across the board to all of us. The website is called investright.org. Invest 
InvestRite, one word, InvestRite.org. And on the website, uh, I'm just kind of speeding through it because there's a calculator that talks about fees. And let's talk about fees. There's some myths that I want to stick a pin in a couple of those myth bubbles. That's always fun. But let's talk about fees now because one of the things that's a big part of this online, very aggressive TV uh, become an algorithm subscriber uh, campaign is fees. They say because you're using an impartial, inhuman sort of approach, then you're going to get less than human charged fees. And that is to your advantage. So how do we go about knowing, Pam, when we're being charged too much? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just it's important to understand, first of all, that you pay fees. We know from research that some people don't think they pay fees. Well, now that's that's one of the myths. You see, you're way ahead of me here already. <laughs> There's a balloon I wanted, but it's true. Some people actually think fees are just uh, absorbed by the, uh, the advisor. That's right. So there is a fee that you pay for anything that you purchase, whether it's in a bank or in an independent um, advice firm uh, or whether it's online. So first and foremost, foremost, it's important to understand that you pay fees, understand what those fees are and how they impact your overall investment returns over time. So if you pay, for example, 2.5% on a a product versus 1.5%, that could cost you over 20 years $17,500. Wow. Now, I'm not saying you should be paying 1.5% or 2.5%. That's a decision that, that you have to make. Based on your assessment of the competition. Of the competition, sure. of the product. That's right. And I think it's also important to point out that there is value for advice. Mm-hmm. So whether you know the kind of advice that you're getting through um, a firm or the kind of support you're getting online, you need to be paying for that. But understand you pay it, understand how much it is, and understand that you might have some options. Uh, Can I flip that coin for just a second or two? Because if you are paying fees for advice from an alleged financial professional, and you get really crummy advice, and you lose a lot of dough, um, is there recourse? Can you call a securities commission and say, I think I just got taken for a ride by a, a, a financial advisor who shouldn't be doing that? Yes, if if you think that somebody has acted inappropriately, uh, then you need to contact us right away. Okay. Uh, and we can take the matter further or or do some um, some looking into it uh, for you. Okay, so now as far as fees, any purchase of any investment vehicle, whether it's an ETF or a mutual fund, or and the list goes on for miles, every purchase should have a very specific fee declared when you examine that as a possible investment option, right? That's right. And your investment advisor should tell you what the fees are associated with the products that you're pur- purchasing, whether it's a commission or some other kind of a fee associated with a, a mutual fund or an ETF, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think that perhaps some people uh, need to know that when you buy something, you pay a fee, Pam. But sometimes when you sell something, you pay a fee as well. You get mm-hmm. both. You get nicked at both ends of the deal. On the front end and on the back end. Is that standard? Uh, no, it's not standard. So it, it can it can vary depending on on the product, which is why you know that needs to be communicated to you, or you need to be very um, you know strong in being able to ask the questions about the fees and know what questions to ask when you buy a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund, an ETF. Your investment advisor should provide you with a one page doc- document called a, a fund fact, right. which has all the information about that product, what's in it, and what are 
are the costs associated with it, among many other things. Uh, okay, so now there's a calculator that's on the homepage at investright.org. Mm. And can you actually plug in your own personal numbers there you and can. get an idea of, of what uh, appropriate fees would be for such and such a purchase? It won't tell you what an appropriate fee is. So we are not in the business of... This pro- tells you the numbers, right? Yes, yeah, so you can put in an, a, a number. So it could be the amount of money that you have invested in your in your account. Right. And put in um, the fee that you're paying, and then put in um, you know something that's say one or one and a half percent lower, and see the kind of difference it would make over a twenty year period, which right. is the maximum our calculator goes to. Okay, just so you, you that will give you the, a big picture understanding of how fees impact the amount of money that you make over time through your investments. Is it safe to say that uh, the typical Canadian investor, whether it's BC or anywhere else, has very limited understanding of the whole fee structure? Our information tells us that um, those who know less about the, the investment industry and those who have less money know less about fees and other um, uh, investment um, subjects. So if you are if you have more money and you're a little more knowledgeable, you you know more and you do more. If you know less and have less money, right. then you you do less and you don't ask the the right questions that you should be asking. What about this financial advisor business? Because and, and, and notwithstanding the virtual competition coming in from across Canada and across the border, but the whole matter of just uh, uh, the right individual uh, and uh, how to find that person and some people going, well, you know, I'm just a small potato here in the big field, I don't make enough money to start piecing off somebody with fees for investments I can barely afford. So is there a threshold that uh, beyond which you really should have a financial advisor, some kind of professional help to to structure your your investments or not? No amount of money is, is too small. To seek some kind See, of advice. See, I agree, but some people don't think that. They mm-hmm. think, oh, I just don't make enough money. This is about your future, your family's future. It's about your goals, whether they're for retirement or for your children's education, for you know the need to buy a new car or to have a vacation. Mm-hmm. These are all important goals, and you need to decide what your goals are. And then how you want to spend your money. So you need to do, you need to spend some time shopping around for the right way for you to be advised, whether it's through a bank or a firm or online. Then decide, you know, the kinds of risks that you're willing to take or not take and be very clear about whatever product you choose to invest in. Understand the fees that are associated with it. You know, and online, actually, uh, online can be a real asset in this regard. I mean, if you are going to go out for the big anniversary dinner, and you're going to drop two or three hundred bucks. It had better be a good. So you go online and you narrow it down to two or three restaurants and you read the reviews. So if you're going to drop, you're going to do all that for a three hundred dollar dinner. Why wouldn't for for a three thousand dollar investment? Why wouldn't you take the same amount of time and narrow it down to three possible uh, three possibilities mm-hmm. and do the homework on each of those and go online and read the reviews about these products or these people. Mm-hmm. That's right. We know that people are are doing 
all sorts of research for many things in their lives, but when it comes to their investments, they are not doing their homework. And there's lots of reasons for for why they're not. A lot of people feel, we know from research, that people feel anxiety when it comes to their investments. They feel overwhelmed by the kind of information that is coming at them um, about it. But it's really important to understand that Investing is a real opportunity. At the BC Securities Commission, we want British Columbians to to think of themselves as investors and to be investors and understand the benefits of being an investor. But to take the time to do the research that they need, that they should do, to have the best investment outcomes. Indeed. Um, I'm getting to the myths because I'm at that point on your your homepage, and you've already done one and two, but there's three. Number three is still left, so I got my pin out here. Here's the bubble. Well, there's nothing I can do about my investment fees, they're set in stone, is myth number three on this investright.org. Yes, often that is not People the case. People think that. They do. They they do. They think that. So either they don't understand that they're paying them or they think that they're, set in, that they're set in stone and there's nothing they can do about them. But people, you know, very often will have choices. So you can ask your investment advisor, is there another product that I can purchase that will offer me the same kind of return, but that has lower fees? Are there, you know, uh, do I want to get out of a mutual fund and go into a pure stock or a pure bond? Should I change from a mutual fund to an exchange-traded fund? Sure. And if I'm not getting the answers that I want, um, you know, people have the option of considering whether they want to change their firm or advisor. Well, that's true. That's true. And again, this that's what, of course, a lot of this, this uh, these advertising campaigns for uh, virtual uh, investment uh, uh, possibilities are all about. Uh, you can change your investment. And if you're uncomfortable with either the way you're being treated or particularly with the factual advice you're receiving, you don't have to sit there and take it. You can get up and say, no, thanks. That's right. Ask all sorts of questions. If you don't get the answers that are right for you, then look somewhere else. Okay. And on the matter of fees, are they? is there at least something in it for us besides paying the tab for the privilege of having this outfit look after our money? Do we Can we get some of that back in taxes, a break on income tax or any of that kind of stuff? Nothing in the cards by that expression. No. Oh, well, it's worth a try. No, but <laughs> I think the key to remember is, you know, that there is value for that advice that you're receiving. Of course. So take advantage of it. Pick up the phone and call your investment advisor and take advantage of that relationship. The more you are in touch with them, the stronger the relationship will be. And we think as a result, the better your investment outcomes will be. Remember that every year your investment advisor, whether it's your, a firm or a bank, has to provide you with a report that shows the fees that you're paying and the, and the, the, the charges that you're paying right. for the services that you're, you're receiving. I just got mine a couple of days ago. This is typically the time of year when you get that stuff is. too, isn't it? Yep, about the it comes end with of, the T4s and all the annu- annual reports of where you are. That's right. And we all sometimes get those reports and we you know, recycle them or file them away without looking at them. Mm-hmm. But this is a very important report to read because in it, it is going to say to you what you are paying for the services that you are receiving from your your investment advisor and their firm. Right. And then the decision simply becomes, is the amount of money I'm being, I'm paying into this company justified by the growth in the investment products they've sold me? That's right. 
that's sort of what it boils down to, isn't it? It does. Am I getting a bang for my buck? Yeah, and and ask your investment advisor, how are you being compensated and what is the value um, that I'm getting from the fees that you are receiving? Okay, and uh, so that's a, a legal requirement of investment firms that they have to annually publish to every investor uh, a detailed account of their holdings and what they're being charged. It is a rule that securities regulators put into effect in July of uh, 2016. And every year now, firms must provide a detailed accounting of the fees that investors pay for the services that they receive from their firm or their advisor. Good to know. And pay attention to the fees columns when you get yours. As I got mine, I actually did. I started looking. Holy cow. That's what we say. <laughs> Take a look. It's, and they give you month by month. And so you used to add up 12 months of fee. Oh, my goodness. It, it, <laughs> you have, it, it gives you pause. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to get a couple of minutes. You come armed to the teeth with a new survey that you've done of Canadian investors and consumers with a strong batch of information fresh about B.C. In the couple of minutes we have remaining, what are your findings? What can you surprise us with this afternoon? What really surprised us was that uh, we so we surveyed tw- over twenty nine hundred Canadians, and we found that under one third of those surveyed identified as an investor. But we know that two thirds of Canadians have investments. And so there's a real disconnect there between how people see themselves and their financial reality. And if they don't see themselves as investors, we know they are not doing certain things that will give them the best investment outcomes. Is my investment advisor registered? Do I understand the goals? Do I have goals Mm -hmm. and a financial plan? Do I understand the risks associated with the best investments that I'm making? And do I know about the fees that I'm paying for the investments I'm making. This is interesting stuff. Where can we find more of your findings on this survey? It's not on InvestRight.com. It is, right yes, it is? yes, yes. Okay. We published a report on, I think it was January 21st or 22nd. Okay. It has the survey results, uh, and you can find out much more. At investright.org? At investright.org. Okay, I'm on it right now. Ah, okay, there it is. All right, thank you. Uh, We're fresh out of time, but that's interesting. Now, we're going to have a return visit in a couple of weeks from you or one of your colleagues, and we'll deal a whole lot more in detail about fraud matters on that uh, particular show and, and take some calls and so on. But this whole business of fees... And uh, dealing with the competition, because there's a whole new thing going on out there now, which causes should cause more of us to at least start thinking about what we're doing with that uh, surplus cash. Not that there's a lot of it floating around in Vancouver, but you know what I mean? It's time for strategies, right? It's time for strategies, and it's time to understand that you have options. BC Securities Commission Director of Communications, Pamela McDonald. Investright.org is a terrific website. You can plug your personal numbers into it and get a real a real instant idea of, uh, of where you're at with all of that stuff. Thanks for coming in. It's been a year or more since we last talked and uh, well worth the wait. I appreciate it. It's always great to be here, Sterling. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Pamela McDonald, Director of Communications and Engagement over there at the BC Securities Commission for a very informative visit. They'll be back with us in a couple of weeks with a whole other show on fraud and other investor pitfalls to watch for. Coming up in our next hour, John Carlson from 1% Realty. Time now, though, for Duly Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, has a look at a new way to donate old clothes. Thanks, Sterling. A new option is now available for Metro Vancouver residents looking to recycle unwanted clothing. 
Encore Pacific, the company operating retirement depots across the Lower Mainland, launched a new pilot project on Friday that will see 13 depots except old clothing, shoes, and household textiles. Alan Langdon, Encore Pacific's president and CEO, said the idea has been in the works since October 2018. We knew that there's you know, 40,000 tons of textiles, a lot of textiles going to landfill, so we felt there was an, an opportunity. The announcement comes in about a month since clothing donation bins were pulled from communities across B.C. over concerns about safety following a number of tragic deaths. Encorp is a non-profit organization. Langdon said what's collected will be handed over to Bank and Vogue, an Ottawa-based company who will recycle the fabrics. They'll be distributed to likely mostly thrift shops and then some of the material that can't be resold in thrift shops will be used, cut up and used as rags and recycled in other ways. Langdon said the money generated from the sale of the clothes will be used to fund the program, which is set to run until May. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. An avalanche warning has been issued for B.C.'s south coast and Vancouver Island for recreational backcountry users. Avalanche Canada issued the special warning yesterday, effective immediately. The warning will be in place until Sunday night. Avalanche Canada saying human-triggered avalanches will be likely over the weekend, especially on steeper terrain. The clearing skies and fresh snow will be very inviting, but we are urging back country users to be extra cautious during this period. And North Shore Rescue also rings in and adds the conditions are serious. It's really tough for us to say, but if it's not safe for us to send our members in, we're not going to do that. It's really about decision-making, and this may not be the best time for you to do an outdoor adventure in uncontrolled terrain. Both groups are hoping people heed the warning. Anyone heading into the backcountry is being asked to bring rescue gear, transceiver, a probe, and a shovel, and friends. Another part of the warning, never head out alone. And after hearing presentations from student groups in the Squamish House Sound area, Squamish Municipal Council voted unanimously this week to ban single-use plastic bags and straws by the end of this calendar year. There there are plenty of concerns about imposing such a ban in such a relatively short period of time and what impact it might have on some businesses, but Squamish Council seem not to be too worried about the details. Where there is concern is the ban on straws and the effect that might have on persons with disabilities, but Squamish Mayor Karen Elliott thinks accessibility laws and plastic bans can work with real consideration for others as an important factor. That is our first hour for today, produced by Ben Dooley. Andrew Ferreira is at the controls. Any messages to our show can be either sent to sterling at cknw.com or you can tweet us at Van Consumer. And don't forget, you can listen to our show anytime on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The news is next, and up next, then, John Carlson returning with a real estate update here on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.